Welcome to the Things That Matter podcast, a podcast where we aim to dig a little deeper, give a lot of grace, and have some fun along the way. Thanks for listening to the Things That Matter podcast. Well, good morning, Things That Matter. I'm in the podcast booth with my good friend, Cassie. Cassie, how are you doing today? Oh, it's such a good day. It's yeah. a really good day. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, we're recording this in advance, and when this is launching, it's actually going to be my oldest son's birthday. So, buddy, daddy loves you. Happy birthday. I love birthdays. I love birthdays. Yeah. Why do you love birthdays? Because uh, it's something to look forward to. You know, something to get excited about, celebrate that people were born. You know, one of the best compliments I think I got on my birthday was, I'm really glad you were born. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad you were born, by the way, Cassie. Thanks. I'm glad you were born. And I'm glad my son was born. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, we anticipate birthdays because it reorientates us. It's a call to remembrance of, you know, new life coming into the world. And in a lot of ways, transition. In a lot of ways, Advent is kind of similar. Um, do you know the story of Advent? Like why we celebrate Advent, even like what that word means mm, why don't you tell us okay all right so advent is uh actually about christ's first coming his birth and so when we're celebrating advent now post-birth and post-resurrection we're actually looking forward to christ's second advent which is his second coming so christians when we celebrate advent we're just anticipating we're longing for creation to be restored and we're commemorating christ's birth and his incarnation and then we're looking forward to his imminent return. So kind of like birthday parties, mm-hmm. you know, we are looking in advance in the future. We're looking forward to Christ's return. And so Advent's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's all about hope. It is all about hope, which is also an amazing transition. It's about the expectation of Jesus coming. And it's also the name of the church that we serve at. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the thrill of hope this Advent season and Hope Community Church kind of has a pretty gnarly story. Yeah. That might be the best adjective as to why we're called Hope Community Church. Cassie, you've been here longer than I have. You you grew up in the area. Can I just hear the story as to why Hope is called Hope? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we weren't always Hope Community Church. Uh, we actually have been around for almost 50 years, which is really exciting. Uh, Hold up. We've been around for almost 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. 2023, I believe, will be our 50 years. I didn't know that. Yeah. So churches that make it to the 50-year mark, that's not normal. No. It's exciting. And it's exciting to see what Jesus has done through this church and in this community. Uh, I've been around here about 12 years. And I actually came right about the time they changed the name. And, you know, our leadership at that time looked around and recognized that in our area, the suicide rate was really high. The depression rate was really high. And we wanted to be a place that provided hope, that we wanted to reach people. Our mission statement here is to reach people with the living hope of Jesus Christ. And so what better name uh, than Hope Community Church? We want to be a part of our community. We want to give hope. And uh, man, it's just cool to be a part of it. Yeah, and I I think you you alluded towards uh, suicide there and pastorally, um, even outside of like the pastoral role, like if you have a friend, a relative, if you're a youth worker, a children worker, just any capacity that's walking alongside someone, which is everyone, uh, suicide is probably one of the hardest things to walk through because the consequences just leave a wake of destruction, Mm -hmm. confusion, 
anger, mm -hmm. though nobody wants to talk about that, right. and even frustration. And as we head into the holidays, the holidays have this weird effect of bringing old memories, resurfacing old mm -hmm. memories that we've compartmentalized all year or have really like pushed down into our inner person. And sometimes it's a good thing because it gives us a chance to process. And then for others, sometimes it just feels like a really hard thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's some obvious, there's some unknown with that. But can we just talk a little bit about some of the ways that, you know, you have learned and maybe I've learned and how to shepherd people right now in the holiday season as they navigate hope, <laughs> as they navigate yeah. Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the, for our generation, one of the hardest seasons we have faced. I mean, different financial hardships and depression and anxiety is through the roof for so many. And, you know, something I've really been learning in my own life as I have walked through different hard things is just what is helpful and what is harmful. And even when I'm trying to love and serve the people around me, what is helpful and what is harmful. And if there's one thing that has really stuck with me is how important it is not to minimize someone else's hurt how important it is to not uh, just try and sort of brush it under the rug and say it's going to be okay or, you know, right. my favorite, not favorite, is when somebody's like, oh, but honey, God will work all things out for your good and maybe they'll even throw a scripture at me. And while I love scripture so much and I love Jesus so much, I just don't think that's always the best time to grab your Bible and just kind of throw a verse at somebody to, to minimize their hurt or or to, to just try and use scripture in a way that isn't all that helpful in that painful moment. So, okay, hold on there. Like, you're saying if we are followers of Jesus, okay, obviously we're going to follow, you know, walk like Jesus, walk with Jesus. So if we're followers of Jesus, let me ask you this. Did Jesus ever use scripture to comfort people? And if he did... Or if he didn't, should we then use scripture to comfort people? Because that's where we go mm -hmm. to comfort people. We, we use and quote scripture yeah. to comfort people because here's the reality. We don't know how to lament and we're so uncomfortable with the idea of suffering. I think for a lot of people, well-intended, we throw scripture as the remedy and then we just move on. So to reiterate, Cassie, did Jesus ever use scripture to comfort? Oh my goodness, Chris. That, that is an amazing question. I cannot think of an instance where he did, uh, you know, I, and I think the best way to interpret scripture is to use scripture. And so, man, what does the Bible tell us about scripture? What is it used for? And, you know, I think one of the first uh, verses I memorized was 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is useful for teaching, correcting, and training up in righteousness. Yeah, and then like you got Hebrews 4.12, yeah. where scripture is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, pierces through bone and marrow. No. Um, and, and here's the thing, you know, we, we actually did some research around this. You know, we, we looked up words, it is written, so that phrase, that statement, and we looked specifically in Matthew, because Matthew wrote to a Jewish audience, and it was a very personal eyewitness account of Jesus, as well as in all the Gospels. We, we looked up in the Gospels. Dude, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it either. I mean, I'm not willing to go 100% on this, but I, I don't I don't see where Jesus used any Old Testament scripture to comfort somebody. Yeah. Well, I mean, like when he's using that phrase, it is written, 
here's where I do see it. When the dude is getting crucified and Caesar or Pilate is saying like, all right, it's written King of the Jews, or when Jesus is confronting Satan, Mm -hmm. or when when Jesus is preaching, yeah, when he's tempted, or when he's uh, correcting, Mm -hmm. you know. uh, The Pharisees, the religious people who thought they knew it all. Yep, yep. But whenever he's comforting people, people who are really in it, I, I don't see it. And Jesus knew the Old Testament. So, like, Jesus would have been familiar with the book of Job. Yeah, I mean, I love I love the book of Job. You see Jesus model this in the New Testament, and you see this happen in the Old Testament, the book of Job. I love this book. I mean, it's so good in just helping us understand that just sometimes really bad things happen to great people and that there are so many lessons we can learn. And I love, you know, it's, it's chapter 2, verse 13. This is, this is what Job's friends did right before they started messing stuff up. And so they sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. And guess what they did, Chris? What? What did they do? They did not say a word. They didn't speak a word for seven days or seven nights. And I'm with you. You said it earlier. Like, we are so bad. I am so bad at just sitting with somebody in their pain. I want to fix it. I want to tell them what to do. When I don't know what to do, I too want to throw scripture at them. But the reality is both Jesus and the Old Testament demonstrated this idea of lamenting, of sitting in pain and keeping our mouths shut. Hmm. So Cassie, what if you feel strong conviction then to speak scripture, right? Again, Hebrews 4.12, scripture is alive and active. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that I can't bring scripture into the conversation? No, I mean, I think there's a time and a place, right? And, And I think we just have to pause and pray and ask God. And of course, like, people have been given a word for me where they're like, hey, I really feel like you should hear this verse. And that's amazing. There, There is a time and a place for that. But I think as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we want to model him. And what yeah. did he do? He showed up. He sat. He wept. I mean, yeah, man. that's what we want to be about. Yeah, like Mark 2 with the paralyzed man. He first, you know, addressed him as son. Your sins are forgiven. Then he met the physical need. There wasn't any... There wasn't any, like, scriptural reference. Uh, And then Luke 8 with the bleeding woman, he refers to her as daughter, physically heals her. Uh, John 13, you just referenced, Mm -hmm. Jesus is at his best friend's gravesite, Mm -hmm. and he weeps. He he doesn't go, you know, like, read Psalm 23 over his his gravesite. He weeps and then resurrects his buddy. And then John 21... With Peter, after Peter denied him, failed, abandoned Jesus, right. he recommissions Peter. Right. And this isn't to minimize scripture. Look, no. like nothing in my life has been more transformative than spending time in God's word. It is the most important thing I have done in my life. But that's a personal relationship that is right. spending time pouring over God's word it's not just throwing a verse at somebody else thinking it's going to fix their situation. We're built for community to spend time with each other. And through that, God will absolutely use his word and himself to help comfort us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know who said this. My wife has been saying it. So I think she got it from you, which knowing you, you probably got it from another podcast, but it's (laughs) like, uh, uh, don't just walk with Jesus, walk like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when we see Jesus comfort in a one-on-one context, Jesus doesn't quote scripture to the people he's comforting. He lives scripture to the people he's mm, comforting. That's good. Because, Hebrews 4.12, scripture is alive. Right. The word moved among us. Mm-hmm. And God's spirit uses scripture and partners with us to live 
in that tension, to live in the lamenting, to live in the comforting. Right. So Cassie, what's one practical way you're going to do this, this holiday season? Oh man. You know, I think so many people around us are hurting and, you know, I recently heard on a podcast, uh, Jenny Allen said, she's like, we got to look people in the eyes. We have to take time when, when you're checking out at the grocery store, you're picking up your mail to look people in the eyes and just say, how are you doing? And, you know, I just did this and it was really awkward because it was like a 17 year old guy working in the deli. And I was like, dude, how are you doing? He's like, all right. And after he finished giving me my food, I was like, well, I hope your day gets better than all right. And it just seemed like it mattered just to look someone in the eyes and say. Did you tell them things that matter? I did not. Oh, okay. You missed a plug. (laughs) I missed a plug. Well, what about you, Chris? How are you going to be more intentional and and just be with people? Yeah, I I, I think uh, making the allowance. Ah, that came out wrong. You know, being okay with being interrupted. Yeah. You know, because how many times in my loftiness, and I say that like quote unquote loftiness, Am I frustrated that interrupt, I'm interrupted? But the reality is Jesus was interrupted all the time. Yeah. And if we're called to walk with and like Jesus, you got to be okay to be interrupted. You do. We do. We all do. That's right. Well, folks, that concludes this episode. I hope it stirred some emotions. I hope it brought new thought processes to you. Cassie, is there anything else that you want to add? No, we're so thankful. We're going to be heading into this Advent season here at Hope, and you're going to hear us talk about a thrill of hope because we just believe it's what we need right now. That's right. We need to experience some hope. It is a dark season, and we are excited to really come together this Christmas. That's right. Well, Hope Community Church has Sunday services at 845 and 1030. You're more than welcome to come. Likewise, if you have another local church that you're interested in, man, get plugged in. Where two or three get gathered, there he is. Peace out, podcasters.